welcome to the Alexandra Wenman Show. I'm here with the wonderful Sharon Prince. Sharon, like me, is a channel. She's a healer. She's an absolutely amazing channel. Sharon, welcome. Thank you for being on the show. Oh, thank you for having me, Alex. It's great. <laughs> it's wonderful to have you here. So Sharon has joined us all the way from Texas. And uh, while we, as we film this, uh, this episode, Texas has just been hit by huge hurricanes. So uh, it's... It must be really trying for you to be away from home at this time. It is really hard. I was lucky. Uh, my place didn't get flooded, but I did evacuate before the hurricane. And then uh, it was like the whole city was like flooded. So both airports were flooded, all the major freeways. So no one was able to get in or out. And so I was sweating bullets because, you know, that week that I was gone, I was watching to see if British Airways were going to take off and from Houston. So I barely got back in time just enough to pack my suitcase and get on the plane. Lucky to have you here <laughs> you at the guess. moment. Wow. And obviously, you know, this is obviously a topic that's very close to you at the moment, mm -hmm. and there's a lot of stuff going on on the planet. Mm -hmm. Can you share with our viewers mm -hmm. any guidance that you might have received from your guides about what's happening with all the, mm -hmm. especially the natural disasters and all the yeah. intensity that's happening at this time? It's just, I feel like in general, everything that's hidden, anything that needs to be healed is being uncovered. And uh, we've had a lot of a dichotomy in, in my country, you know, with politics, obviously. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I really felt during our recent election that we had never been so polarized as we were since the Civil War, honestly. And so um, I feel that uh, we saw the, the worst, you know, of what the protesting going on in, in Charlotte's, uh, Charlottesville. And then we saw a really great... Uh, the the good side. We saw the shadow, which is good. We need to see the shadow. And then we saw the light of people coming together and helping each other. And so, uh, you know, during, after the aftermath of the hurricane. So we need to be reminded this is the time of dichotomy. But everything is coming to the surface to be looked at and healed. Anything is almost like you had an infection and then it healed on the surface, but then there's still infection underneath the surface. So we need to, like, make sure that we take a look at that and clean the wound out and let it heal properly. Mm -hmm. So I think a lot of this is about awakening, you know, and it's getting people to the point where they have a moment of inspiration or I think as a catalyst for change, maybe a trigger point. Sometimes through loss, unfortunately, it opens us up, you know, to, to reprioritize our life and mm -hmm. see what's really important. And a lot of people, um, you know, they'll have a spiritual awakening from a loss mm -hmm. of a loved one or a natural disaster. And, and then it's, you know, sometimes it, it takes that for someone to open up, but other times, you know, uh, people open without having to have that level of intensity. So it's just every person, you know, each, each individual, what their mission is. But I think collectively we need more and more people on board. So anyone that has any inclination to start developing their spiritual <laughs> gifts, please, we need you. Join the mission. <laughs> please. Join the life All hands on deck. <laughs> it's so easy, isn't it? We were talking on mm -hmm. the weekend, I was teaching a workshop, mm -hmm. and we were talking about the moments of raw beauty that come through when you going through the really most intense tragic, yeah, yeah, the most tragic things yeah. can, it can break best. you open, right? Yes, it, it almost, yeah. And so I, I hate to compare it to 9-11, but we just had 9-11. Yeah. And I went to a meditation here in London, a lady named Neelam, Neelam, I think her name was, and she channels Isis, and, and I also channel Isis too, and it was really beautiful to have that. And we came together as goddesses, and we went back to the Temple of Isis, and we were nurtured. It was just so beautiful. And synchronicity going on. I know, exactly <laughs> right. And uh, so it was really uh, profound. And she says it was on, and I didn't forgot. I, I was like so embarrassed, like here I'm an American, but when I go off to Europe and do my work, I'm like in the zone. So I was like, oh my God, it is 9-11. It is 9-11, you know? So uh, yeah, and it's like, just the channeling that you came to last week when I channeled Ascended Masters, Isis came through. And she doesn't normally come through, but she did this time. And it seemed like the theme was about empowering the Divine Feminine. And this is what is needed to heal the planet, is, is this masculine energy, this like, I, I want to call it the bastardized version of the Divine Masculine is running muck. Well, and without that, that balance, it's, you know, it's crazy. That the terrorists are calling themselves ISIS. That's right? exactly what ISIS said. So yeah. in, in my channel meditation, she said, uh, you know, came through and said, they've defiled my name. 
and we need to, to take that, you know, basically she was encouraging everyone to empower the divine feminine and take it back. And then I went to Neelam's, you know, um, meditation. She said exactly the same thing to everybody. Yeah. So the message is, you know, it's, it's coming out through different channels and all. But the baseline is we need to heal both the masculine and feminine within ourselves. It's not just the feminine that needs to be empowered. Also, the masculine needs to be healed. Because they are afraid, sometimes men are afraid to bring in that feminine energy, you know, men and balance. Men have been repressed too. Men, yes, men, exactly. Men are, we're in a culture where men aren't really encouraged to share their emotions, no. or to show that, that side of themselves. No. To be a strong man is almost to, to repress others. It's, right. it's so warped, right? Right. Mm. And so by balancing and empowering the divine feminine, we're going to help balance the masculine. So we women are empowering ourselves. We're not asking for permission from the men. We're saying we are sovereign. We are empowered. We, this is a gift we give and the privilege we give to ourselves. As we are empowering ourselves and balancing the divine feminine within ourselves, then we encourage other women to do the same. And we also uh, educate men through the example we're giving how to treat how to treat you know the divine feminine properly not to suppress it mm. not to be afraid of it because within every man is an inner female just like within every female is an inner man so we're both male and female in our in the dichotomy of it see we live in duality of course but in duality we have this dichotomy so it's important for us to to keep that in balance so by empowering ourselves we're healing everybody we're healing the planet so <laughs> I, we, we, I, um, I interviewed Lars Mull uh -huh. recently of the O Manuscript, and obviously uh -huh. you do a lot of work with Mary right, Magdalene as exactly. well. Yeah. And we were talking about this. It's that uh -huh. we are we are the Holy Grail. When you balance those right. masculine and feminine right. aspects, exactly. you give birth to the cosmic right. child or the the, uh -huh. the, the multidimensional child, and, you, and you, everything. The whole realm opens up. It's really beautiful. Uh -huh. But speaking of yeah. awakenings. Uh -huh. How was how did it happen for you initially? Because you're an incredible channeler. Oh, you're well, thank so, you. <laughs> I mean, you channel anyone and everyone, right? Yeah. So. Well, I mean, sometimes people do show up. You know, like I, I chose, uh, I, I channeled last week Joseph of Arimathea, which I'd never channeled him before. That was very interesting. But yeah, I actually started out with um, I was 12 years old, and I had kind of like a an inspiration that uh, I needed to take care of myself and protect myself. I was babysitting a little girl in a park and I saw two people on a bridge and I thought it was a, a man and a woman. And something said, you need to leave now. And the people started walking toward me and we were sitting on a blanket and this little girl was not an easy kid to babysit, trust me. And uh, so I, I figured that she wouldn't listen to me, but somehow the spirit spoke to her and I said, Polly, we need to leave now. So he took everything up, you know, and I just, I wanted to run, but the voice inside my head said, don't run, walk quickly, but calmly. So I got halfway down the hill, I turned around and looked over my shoulder, and it was two men standing exactly where our blanket had been, and it was near a reservoir, and like a little lake, and normally men would just, two adults would just keep walking down the path, but when we got to the bottom of the hill, I turned around, and the men had turned around and were walking back to the bridge. So in my little, you know, 12-year-old mm -hmm. mind, I didn't know that, you know, the predator and prey dynamic, when the, the prey uh, runs, that's the, the signal for, their, for them to, for their, to, to give chase, the predator to give chase. So at that point, I thought, you know what, there's somebody looking out for me, you know, there's a higher power here, I don't know what's going on. So I started having like, um, just, you know, I guess intuition about people. I sit down five minutes after talking to somebody, and I could pick up things like favorite color, what their sport was in high school, I mean, and I remember one particular incident, there was a young man at my, uh, we were both at a church conference, he belonged to another church, and we were meeting for, you know, for the first time, and we started talking, and he was just a normal guy, and I said, you know, your, your favorite color is green, isn't it? And he goes, how did you know? And I said, I don't know. And, and you like to, and I, I said like a question, you like to crochet? And this wasn't like, this was like, you know, a normal guy. That's to my feminine. Yeah, right yeah, crochet. And he goes, and his jaw dropped, and he said, his uh, jaw dropped, and he said, oh my goodness, how did you know that? My mom taught me how to crochet as a way to relieve stress. And like, okay, at that point, I was like, we're on to something here. But I really didn't understand. I was raised a Mormon, okay? So I wasn't like, there was nothing, like I have a lot of friends who are Catholic, and they, they're mm -hmm. kind of like predisposed to be open to mystery and mm -hmm. mysticism. So I had nothing in the past life. None of that was in my, my vocabulary. So 
as I was uh, as I was uh, went to college at a religious school, a Mormon school, um, I remember going around a group and telling everybody about themselves, and people were like, either they're making the sign of the cross, or they're like, oh, that's cool. What am I thinking? You know. So I, I started to, to kind of play with it, and I, I wasn't trying to abuse it, even though I look back now and I should have asked permission to give drive-by readings. I'm famous for the drive-by readings. <laughs> but, anyway, <laughs> exactly. but anyway, that and, and it paired up with some visions, waking visions. I'd be doing something, all of a sudden I'd be somewhere else, and then I'd be back and I wouldn't even know I was gone until I came back. And, uh, you know, so I, one example of that was when I was, before I went, I went to Brigham Young University because I was, you know, still Mormon back then. And I remember watching the Donnie and Marie show in, in America. I don't know if you guys had Donnie and Marie. Yeah. yeah. And so that is at the time when they were doing their show in L.A. And they had gotten, unbeknownst to me, some death threats. So the father decided to build a new studio in Provo. So anyway, I'm at commercial break, and all of a sudden, I'm in the studio, and I'm seeing a bird's eye view of the entryway, and it's like, back in the late 70s, it had like the burnt orange and the earthy colors, and they had these like round, you know, uh, chair-looking things with a planter, you know, all, you know, one that you sit around in, and it came in, and then the door was here, and you walked in, so the, if you looked at the whole stage area, it came in on the back right entrance. Most of the time, the doors are opposite of the stage, but it wasn't. You came in, and there was like two or three, I don't know how many rows, and I saw the stage, and it was like, it didn't have curtains or anything, it had a sound and light rack above it, and you could see people around moving, and I'm like, and I, they were like, oh, no, 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 and I'm watching them, and all of a sudden, I'm back in the present time, and the Donnie Marie show comes on, like, wait a minute, I thought I was just watching that. Well, later, I went to, it was just a few months later, I went to Brigham Young, and I had a roommate, and her best friend's father was a producer, and a Good Morning America had come into Provo, had flown into Salt Lake and went to Provo to film an episode about the Osmonds in their new studio, and I wasn't invited to come. So my roommate came back and reported me, and I asked her all the questions, and I exactly described the studio wow. and the, the reception area. So just to let you know, you, you can have waking visions, and they don't, it's, not something that you, it's not something you can control. It just happens spontaneously. Thank goodness I wasn't driving a car or something, you know. I guess spirit wouldn't do that to me, hopefully. <laughs> Sounds very familiar. <laughs> but that's how it all started, and it wasn't until I went through a divorce of, uh, from my first husband that I realized that I had a gift so my therapist that was helping at the time said, you know, you're a reader. And I'm like, what's a reader? So that was like your, your challenge, your initiation. Yes. In yeah. And so then I, just, and then I started dating a guy who ended up being my second husband. And he said, you know, you're really good at art. Why don't you apply for art, you know, painting faces and everything. And so I called the lady up and she said, well, I'm doing a concession for readers, a massage, a therapist, and, and you, know, art, you know, face painters. When she said readers, I knew... That's what I had to do. If I know the face painters made a lot more money than the readers, we may not be here today. So anyway, I remember uh, doing, it's just, I've never done a professional reading before. My mom said, oh, don't worry. I said, so what if I go blank? You won't go blank, Sharon. You're good. You'll do this. So I said to myself, if I go blank, I'll just give them their money back. So that was my little escape hatch. So I started doing readings. And I just was there. I didn't do any cards. Everyone's doing cards or palms or some divination tool on like straight psychic you know so they would send the knuckle crackers to me you know they sit down oh i don't believe in this stuff and they sit down and they crack their knuckles yeah prove you know. it to me yeah, right? I love to me. Those. yeah. so uh, one guy in particular came and sat at my uh, sat at my uh, uh table and he was really obnoxious so i had to kind of zing him on you know <laughs> so you have to kind of shock him and then you give him the message so he said i don't believe in this expletive show me what you got i said okay incoming. I said, well, you're dating this lady who has blonde hair, but it's really not blonde. She has these two little nippy dogs that drive you completely crazy, and she looks really good in a tight pair of hot pants, and you know, and everything. And if it weren't for that, you know, figure, you'd probably just, you know. And he goes, damn, you're good. How do you know all that? And I'm like, now are you ready to hear what you came here to hear? You know, so I have plenty of stories like that, but that's how it all started. I was a gypsy fortune teller at the Renaissance Festival in Houston, Texas, and that's how my reading got started. And I didn't consider myself a channel, people. Trust me. I had a, a book back in the 80s called Opening the Channel by Sinead Roman. Have you heard of it? Oh, uh, yes. Fantastic. <laughs> and I'm reading this book and I'm like, 
Uh, yeah, sure, anyone can channel. But you know what? I have referred that book to so many people now. Yes, anyone can channel. And the spirit guides and angels are helping us to connect. Mm -hmm. So all you need to do is have that. You don't need years of you know, meditation or years of channeling or you know, doing readings. Mm -hmm. Oh, people are just dropping in now, so you do yeah. have hope, people. Yeah. Honestly, if you've never done a reading or meditated, you still have hope because all you need to do is say, I'm open to receiving, and they will watch out. <laughs> we just had a workshop on the weekend, and every single person was channeling. Every there you single go. person got it's, a message. It's easy. Yeah. They've made it easy for us yeah. now. They've been sending us so much light. All we have to do is hook into the grid, like... Like the mate, you saw the movie The Matrix, mm. and you know when Trinity gets a download, you know she's trying to save Neo and the, the Bernie, the people were trying to kill him, and she says, "I need a download for a Black Hawk helicopter," you know, <laughs> and then the guy goes, yeah. "Yeah," you know, you know, all of a sudden she's flying the helicopter. You know, I said, "It's kind of like that," you know, <laughs> you just ask for a download, and bam, you're off and running. Just plug in. Yeah, that's it. Just plug, just in. plug in. That's it. What about the people? So this is something that I deal with quite frequently mm -hmm. as because I also channel mm -hmm. um, and it's it well it's not that frequent but there are people that are that are not so much skeptical of channeling mm -hmm. there's a few people out there at the moment talking about this false light matrix and it's not massive is that like there. when they're born again Christian Bible thumpers in East Texas oh, <laughs> probably. I don't know. So this, this is something though that I have had experience of where you have an entity mm -hmm. that comes in and pretends to be an archangel or pretends to be another Aha. being. Okay, so, I know how to handle that. Yeah, in your experience, just yeah. for people who are interested right. in this, how okay. do you deal with that? Okay, <laughs> so here's the deal. I set my intention to work in the light and I call my guys just like you did, guys and angels. And so I say, dear mother, father, God, goddess, all that is, I, we or I ask you to be with us at this time. I ask for everyone to be surrounded and protected by the white light. So I'm calling in the highest light, number one. And then I ask for the higher self of everyone to be there. So when I'm channeling, I usually say a prayer, you know. And then I ask, or silently, or to the group. And then I ask for the angels and spirit guides to come forward who work in the highest light. And then, you know, I ask for my ego and will to step aside and let only the highest good of everyone that I'm serving to come through. And then I, you know, ask for my channels to be open and, you know, to be connected to the higher, you know, the chakra balances and connected to my psychic centers and the higher will of God. And then I thank God for the opportunity to serve. And then if I am in any situation where I have any doubt whatsoever, mm -hmm. I ask the entity, are you from the light? And there, exactly is, what I do. there yeah. is a code yeah. that they cannot break. If they are not from the light, they cannot say they are. No. And it works every single time. And, and well. I invoke the light like I, yeah. I'm clearing a house of a, a ghost mm -hmm. or what, an entity. And I, first of all, I give them a chance. Like I, I call an Archangel Michael mm -hmm. to escort them over to the other side. Mm -hmm. I try to convince them that being in this limbo is not helping them at all. They need to go crossover. Then they can influence this world a lot better than trying to be a disembodied spirit yeah mm -hmm. so then i say if they don't want to go i i command you to leave in the name of the light yeah so the so when you are calling on the highest light that's it yeah intention is everything i send them to the light too yes yeah, send them to the They're, light the catholic church when they do exorcisms mm -hmm. i think they just banish them but there's danger in that right because yeah. you don't know where you're banishing it to well they banish right. it back to where it came from but then that we have to have compassion for everyone, and right. on some level, that soul, right. to me, is yes. lacking in love or believes it's lacking in love, and who right. knows, like, some of them can be very dark, uh -huh. but if you're not sending it to the light, how can it move forward? If so I give them a chance to, to go over. I mm. say, now, Archangel Michael's here. Do you want to cross over? Mm. There's family and friends awaiting you for you yeah. on the other side. If they choose not to, it's their free will, because yeah. I can't send anyone to the light that doesn't want to go. they don't want to go. Yeah, yeah. you yeah. can definitely offer it to them, but... If I, I give them an opportunity, and then if I feel that they haven't taken it, then I command you to leave in the name of the light, and then I surround the area with light. Mm -hmm. But interestingly enough, I have a niece who's a very connected, she's a crystal child. Her mom is an indigo. Her mom's in the mid-20s. And I've noticed in my work that often what happens with the crystal children is the indigo comes in first. Mm -hmm. So either the parents are young parents who are indigos, or the older sibling is an indigo, and then the crystal child comes in next. Mm -hmm. So in this case, my niece is an indigo, and my great niece is a crystal child. So anyway, 
uh, my niece is so funny. She is so left brain. You know, she's like, you know, a EMT. And so she's like, you know, all medical stuff and everything. But when it comes to this kind of stuff, she she consults with me because we had a situation with a demon in the house. I don't do demons, by the way. I will clear ghosts out, but I do not. I'm like a, like, you know, a housekeeper that doesn't do windows. I don't do demons. I've seen a few. Yeah. <laughs> I don't do demons, right? It's just too much work. But anyway, so, uh, you know, I helped her with when her, uh, when my great niece was very small. But anyway, this was a situation where a spirit of a teenage girl had come in a white dressing gown. Who knows when, what the time period was. Anyway, so I even got the name. So she says, come over here because my child is terrified. She's sleeping with me at night, can't rest. So I talked to I talked to her, and um, I basically said, you know, to tell me what happened. So we took a big, long, we played with the little toys and all her little stuffed animals, and she finally came out and said, she comes and she stands over there. The portal is by the closet. So anyway, uh, we invoked her, the ghost's name was Susan and evoked Susan and she was talking to me in my you know in my feed but I didn't want to like tell her everything but apparently she had been murdered mm -hmm. and there was a small boy that was also with her anyway so I basically said look you're scaring my great niece you know this is not cool and I so I, I gave her an opportunity to cross over but I think what it was is she wants someone to know about where her body is she wants someone to find it which is probably in the general area because they kind of tend to sit mm -hmm. close by but when people are sensitive, often what happens is, like my niece, my great niece, is these spirits will come and visit, especially at nighttime. So people who are sensitive, all of a sudden they're, they're scared to pieces because they don't understand and, and they haven't developed their gift yet. So what I did, this is something I'm learning, I'm still learning. So anyway, so I, I gave her a chance to cross over, apparently she didn't. So I put light around the house and the property. Mm -hmm. Well, guess what happened? She went to visit her friend just down the street, and the ghost showed up at the friend's house at a sleepover. Mm. I'm like, okay, so this is something my niece needs to, you know, she learned, needs to learn. She's only eight or nine years old, but she needs to learn how to to interact with these ghosts. Mm. And we and we have the power, we have the presence, since we're in the physical. This is home field advantage. Mm. So we can, we have more dominion in this dimension than they do. So understand you're more powerful you're than the ghost. Charge, right? You're in charge. Mm. So basically, I, I said, just talk to her and say, leave me alone. And people who are sensitive, like adults, you have to put up a boundary. Just like people have to have healthy boundaries with each other, we have to have healthy boundaries with the ghost too. So you just tell the entities, look, I'm sleeping. Don't bother me. You know? If you want to talk to me tomorrow, great. Or if you don't want to talk to them at all, I'm not doing this work. Leave me alone. It's okay to send them off to somewhere else because you don't, you're not obligated to do anything for anyone at any time, even if you are a light worker, you know, especially if it's impinging on your sleep or they, they're just desperate, you know. They'll yeah. cling on to anyone that can see them or hear them. So I tell people just have healthy boundaries, put light around you, have Archangel Marco watch over you at nighttime, and bam, it's a done deal. We so. have to be careful as well. I remember I had a, a story years ago before I knew how to use uh -huh. my gifts right. really as well, and I uh -huh. moved into a, a flat share with my now husband, who was one of the housemates, and mm -hmm. there was another guy in the house uh -huh. that was another uh -huh. housemate. And this guy was, you know, quite, um, I will say, quite aggressive, a little bit of a bully as a housemate. Oh. And I got woken up in the middle of the night. It was the first oh, workshop I'd ever done to start to develop my gifts. Oh, and it was my. the weekend of that workshop. So I was obviously very open. Yeah. And in the middle of the night, I was I thought it was a dream at the time. Uh -huh. But this voice, this guy's voice and the, the spirit, the guy uh -huh. that was trying to wake me up, uh -huh. sounded exactly like the housemate and had the same same almost personality so I knew it was a relative of his oh, and it was geez. wake up wake up wake up it was all night and then finally I woke up and uh -huh. I went F off And then I found out that I, I got in loads of trouble too. You talk about drive-by readings. Yes. Right. So the next day I was like, oh my God, like 
did you have a cousin and I had his name and everything? Did he die in a motorcycle accident? And he was like, yes. And then he got so angry at me because it brought up all the pain that he oh, had in losing no. the cousin or whatever it was, cousin or uncle, I can't remember. So I, you know, that was a big lesson in discernment mm -hmm, of mm -hmm. don't just blurt something out. Yeah, you someone. have to ask permission you can... when you get a message. Yeah, but I, I have was, a message yeah. from the other side. From it's, I think it was your cousin or somebody. Are, are you, you comfortable? Yeah, or you, you want to hear this? Yeah, yeah. but it was it. You, it, it absolutely showed me that you are in charge because he had to leave. He couldn't stay. Once no. I said, no, go away. Uh -huh. um, and since then, I've had many experiences of, yeah, like, and always, you know, sending off. I am I am of the light and you cannot remain. It yeah. is the, the good one that it's seems really to work. Important. Yeah. Seems like we have similar experiences. Oh, God, honey. It's <laughs> <laughs> so funny. So funny. So I want to talk to you about Mary Magdalene because yeah. you're very connected with yes. her and yes. you do, you initiate people into the Order of the White Rose. Yes. For our viewers, can you tell us a little bit more about the Order of the White Rose, what yes. it is and, yes. and what it means to be initiated? Yeah, well, just a brief uh, summation. I first, before I started channeling Mary Magdalene, I channeled her partner, Yeshua, or Jesus, and I channeled him for a year in 97 to 98, 99 period, time period. And uh, it was a really amazing work. And I wrote a book called John of Old, John of New as a result of that. But it wasn't until 2010 that I was in Maribor, Slovenia, doing, for the very first time, doing workshops and doing readings and everything, that I channeled her. And so I just thought I was going to do a workshop. So I had my Magdalene manuscript by Tom Kenyon, you know, <laughs> yes. my friend in Austin, you know, had given me. And I had, like, you know, sticky notes. And I started doing notes. And I, some of them were typewritten, some were handwritten. But I thought I would have time when I got there to kind of, you know, sort, sort things out. Oh, no, no, no. I hit the ground running. So I was, like, reading from the morning hours to the late Barely had time for lunch or supper. Had like a radio interview, and that day I ha happened to have a TV interview with a BB uh, facility um, affiliate in uh, in Slovenia. Anyway, so here I am. I'm like tired. I had no sleep the night before, no heat in the house, you know, that night, and I was freezing outside. So I was like exhausted, and I said, "Mary, I'm so sorry. I screwed up. You know, I don't I don't know what I'm doing." And I was going to the to the the Lou, as you call it, in, in here in the UK. Or the Dunny in Australia. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or wherever. The restroom or the bathroom, as we say in America. And she says, don't worry, I've got this. And I'm like, okay, well. And I really had to, like, put my faith, because I didn't know anyone. I wasn't comfortable with, I didn't, even my sponsor was brand new, so I didn't, I didn't have a comfort level with the people that I was, you know, channeling for. So anyway, I got to the circle, 25 people, strangers, Never had worked with Slovenians in their home country before, only in Croatia on this island that I'd done work with them before in a retreat center. And so I'm like, what am I doing? So I, open, I said, well, let's start out with a little introduction about the life of Mary Magdalene, and then I opened up the Magdalene manuscript I started reading. And my a translator was sitting, an interpreter was sitting over here, and, and Alita, and she says, she looked over there, and she saw what I was about to do, and she goes, <gasps> she goes, Alita, she said to herself, please don't, just be calm, breathe, don't get overflown with emotions. And she just, she said it was impossible. The energy coming through, just reading the words, was so intense. And she just had tears flowing. And if you understand, I, I don't speak like a foreign language well enough to interpret for anybody, but I can imagine how difficult it is to be emotional and have to keep your wits about you to interpret a foreign language in, in, you know, into your home uh, tongue. Anyway, she, I don't know how she managed, she was like, <gasps> it was so, I, I make fun of it now, but bless her heart, it's like she was barely able to gasp out the words, and the energy was so intense, and then after I got the reading, the passages, I remember looking around, and I'm like, and then she said, you're going to channel a message, and I'm like, <laughs> I'm going to what? <laughs> okay, I said, I, I have a feeling I, I'm going to step aside now, everyone. I'm about to channel a message incoming. And she channeled this beautiful message, and the energy was like, wom, 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 wom. And then afterwards, I opened my eyes, and everybody was like, their eyes were closed, you know, and nobody moved. And this is the way it is. It's a universal thing. Wherever she goes, everybody's like, completely silent. You can hear a pin drop in the center of the room. 
And they're like, they don't want to move because they're basking in this beautiful energy. So finally, about five minutes after they get unparalyzed, you know, they start moving around a little bit. Everyone started to move around and everything, and, and they didn't want to leave. And this is normal. And people started to, like they were, then I said, I, I feel like I need to hug people and give messages. So I said, do you mind if I go around and hug people? People were crying. Mm-hmm. They were crying on my shoulder. And then my, and then my, my organizer says, this is not normal. This, you know, you think of British people being very conservative. Listen, the Slovenes have it. Uh, they're even more conservative. So for people to like hug each other and cry and exchange phone numbers and talk like they're best friends, doesn't happen. And that, that's what happened. So finally, about thirty minutes later, the and, you know the organizer flicked the lights. Like, are you guys spending the night tonight? You know. <laughs> but I remember one lady in the circle. I had done a reading for her earlier that week. I didn't really know her. But she was a friend of one of my clients, and they had said that she was wide open. She was born as an open channel. Like, I think some people that come through the birth canal, and they don't go fully into the body to the very last second. The veil is very thin for them. So she has all her centers wide open. And she says, now, you know when I say I see things, I really see them. I said, well, yeah, Andrea, I know, because your guys told me. She says, I saw Mary Magdalene walk in, and she put her hand on the translator's shoulder. So the translator was sitting on my right hand, right hand mm-hmm. side. And she said, it's probably just because she's just a translator now. And she kind of made it like a you know, big deal. So afterwards, I asked Mary Magdalene, because she was with me for about four hours. And I said, why did you stand between me, um, me and Alita? And why did you put your hand? Well, the people who understood English were getting my energy through your words and the vibration through the words. But the people who, the older ladies, didn't you know, speak English very well, those who didn't understand English would have only gotten the words. So I had to send my energy into your interpreter, your translator, so she could speak the words with the same energy that you are. Exactly. So to this day, when I have to, you know, to have an interpreter, I always put that person on my right-hand side. But that's how it all started. So I just, when I got back to America, I said, now, what rose is associated with Mary Magdalene? And I got white for some reason. I didn't know why. So anyway, as the years went by and I've channeled her, I found out that white was, you know, of course... I was told that Yeshua used to bring her white roses, and I got a lot of information over the years. But it wasn't until a couple of years, maybe in the spring, it would have been three years, in, in the spring of 2018, it will be three years since I've channeled her, they told me that it, that I was going to restore the order of the rose. And I'm like, well, what order is it? And they said the order of the white rose. And I'm like, okay. So apparently there's a main order, and then there's different orders of the rose underneath that mm-hmm. umbrella. So I found out, I did my research, and Mary, Mother Mary and Mary Magdalene came to me and said, this is what you're going to do. So I did some research, and they gave me some information. Apparently, the Order of the White Rose is a branch of the Great White Brotherhood of Light. Mm-hmm. Or you could say it's not a, it's not a neo-Nazi group, a Great White Brotherhood of Light. You could also call them the Great Brotherhood of White Light. But anyway, it's the Shekinah feminine branch of that. So, in other words, it's about all about empowering the divine feminine, and apparently, this order was something that was in existence during Atlantis, but it came from off planets. So, apparently, the rose, which is different than any other flower on the earth, they can't replicate perfectly the scent of a rose, uh, came from the the seed of the that plant. Apparently, came from another world. So, that white rose actually comes from, represents all the ascended masters that are working with that white, white rose energy. So it's not, it's the female ascended masters who are channeled, but we also have male members who are members of our order, which are very important for us to have those male members, who are sort of like, I don't want to call them token males, but they're kind of like back in the day in the temple where there, you would have one priest and several priestesses. They're, they're protectors and they hold the balance for that divine feminine energy so that's how it all got started one thing led to another and I'm crazy enough to try anything once so (laughs) um yeah so that's what I'm doing now is I'm channeling Mary Magdalene I also channel Mother Mary in these initiation ceremonies I channel Kuan Yin which is you know the Chinese deity I channel a buffalo a white buffalo cap woman which she was Lakota in her Mm -hmm. uh in her earthly life and also uh, Isis you know the real Isis, uh, queen of Egypt, and then, you know, um, yeah. So that's what I do, and then she basically initiates people into this order, and everyone takes a bow to uphold the divine feminine and do everything they can to support women in the world and the divine feminine principle. That's the basic level. 
Then if people want to uh, take a leadership role, they can be ordained a priest or priestess and they go through a training program. And then eventually when a person is ready and Mary Magdalene gives taps to be on the shoulder, then a person can be uh, ordained a high priest or priestess in the order. Wow, amazing. But it's weird because a lady came to the, I just had a ceremony last Saturday, and one of the ladies came to the initiation ceremony. She says, when I was a child, I knew about the Order of the White Rose. And I just, I never heard of it from anyone else. I just, I heard, in my mind, I heard Order of the White Rose. When I saw the meetup group and I saw that, I knew I had to come. And so I said, that is really cool. So it really hasn't been reestablished. There is another lady who is doing initiations, and I didn't even know she was doing it before I did. She channels Mother Mary and Kuan Yin when she does her initiations. So apparently it's getting around the world. One thing I'd like to mention is when I did do research on the Order of the White Rose, this is, just gave me chills when I read this, apparently we had some members that incarnated during the time of World War II. And this is in Germany when they had, and the White Rose is also associated with protection, not just purity. And so during World War II, when Hitler was taking over, you know, being, and making all of Germany, Nazi Germany, uh, this group of young people, ages 18, 19, 20, 21, very young people that were going to university, were basically putting out these flyers in secret and trying to let everyone know that this is all propaganda, they're lying to people, this is what's really happening, they're killing people, blah, blah. And so they were so brave, they got away with it for two years and they finally all got caught and were executed. But they call themselves the Order of the White Rose. The White Rose. And when you notice different orders and military orders, it has to do with protection. So I think the divine masculine, in their own way, mm -hmm. their their way, their interpret their energy vibration with the White Rose is protection. Mm -hmm. Whereas the feminine aspect of the energy is more like intuition mm -hmm. and, and tuning into unconditional mm -hmm. love. Mm, it's amazing. I um, I've been doing a lot of work and, and channeling a lot of information about the diamond white ray and the diamond white flame. Do you yes. think it correlates with the with the white? Absolutely. Rose? Yeah, it feels yeah. to me like the same energy. It's yes. the same that same vibration, and I keep being given yes. a. Uh, a, a, a white, a diamond white uh, diamond. Yes, an actual diamond. An actual yes. diamond. Yes, an actual diamond. Uh, yes, which is. Uh, which and one of the symbols that I work with is this this symbol. I mean, uh -huh. it would be uh, similar to the Masonic square and compass, but it is yeah. like that diamond shape. Uh -huh, exactly. It has above, so below the diamond. Uh -huh. It carries and the it's like the pyramid, an inverted and an upright pyramid. Yeah. It's like the, the underworld and the overworld, the and the, mm -hmm. all of it. And us is the bridge of the blade and, and the chalice. I mean, so many. You know? It's like I always say, yeah. like Alice down the rabbit hole, trying yes, to unlock yeah. all the symbolism, right? Exactly. And, but it's so simple. Yeah. It's just exactly. it's, it's pure love, isn't it? Exactly. It's, right, it's just right. beautiful. It's absolutely gorgeous. And so once people are initiated, mm -hmm. so they then I, I I suppose they then have in their heart that they whatever they do has an intention of right. empowering the divine feminine. Exactly. And, and have you had any extraordinary stories of people that have been sort of called to their mission once they've been initiated? Oh yeah, I have lots of people that you know felt like they're all of a sudden like opening to channel, um, or they'll be connected, you know, to ISIS all of a sudden, or Mother Mary, or in Kuan Yin, or just other ascended masters. I mean, yeah, a lot of people, especially those who are called to the priesthood, mm -hmm. and uh, they just. I think some people just come pre-qualified, and I think we all are members. We just our human selves need to be initiated. Yeah, you know what I'm yeah. saying. Our human selves it's need like to activation. remember. Yes, mm -hmm. inactivation. So yeah, there's a lot of changes. Uh, we uh, our good friend David just was initiated uh, was uh, ordained a high priest, and you know at first he was very reluctant, he's and he's done amazing, so but... much for the order. Mm -hmm. I mean, when I come here, last year I had 31 people that came for initiation. And that's a lot of people. You know what? Uh, you haven't seen the process, but you know it'd be like channeling. But each person gets a is initiated, and they get like a they get their their symbol, they get their key to the order or to other orders. They get a personal message. There's like this really beautiful ceremony, and it's pretty intense. So we were there for three hours, and like oh my goodness. And he was feeding me beforehand. He got the roses. I mean, he's like fetch. He did everything for me. I would have been like a complete bad, little, little, little bad case, you know. And uh, he took care of me. And so he did the same thing this year and helped sort out. I'm doing a retreat, by the way, for the order. 
uh, we're uh, going to Glastonbury at the very end of the month. And when I come back from the ball, I'm going to the Balkans and coming back. And then I'm going to finish out my tour in the UK in Glastonbury. But anyway, so it's like, Dave, you've been doing the duties of a high priest anyway. So finally I asked him, you know, I had to ask him when he sat down in the chair of honor to be ordained. I said, and Mary Magdalene whispered in his ear, are you ready for this? And he goes, yes. And I knew so he said it with him. all of his whole heart. And I said, you know what? We need someone to step up in leadership. I'm holding high priestess energy in America. We need someone in Europe. And we need, so we have two, we have a high priest, a high priestess here in the UK. I'm so excited. Amazing. <laughs> so if people here in the UK can't mm -hmm. get access to you, yes. will there be people doing initiations now? Yes. Here? The, high, the high priests and priestess are, 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 are at that level you can initiate and ordain others. Fantastic. So, yeah. Great. So you do a lot of work with past lives. Mm -hmm. Are you aware of any past lives that you've had that, that sort of, pre-prepared you for this work coming mm -hmm. into this incarnation yes absolutely can you, can you share yeah anything? well uh when i was 12 years old everything happened when i was 12 it was like uh my dad had bought a book called the tower of london and it was a time life a part of a time life series and i remember flipping through those beautiful pictures and everything and i remember flipping through and seeing a picture of at the at the time it was a portrait from the your national portrait gallery called uh you know lady jane uh, it's called princess now Erroneously, by the way, I have to let you guys know, the picture in the portrait gallery that they're calling Catherine um, Parr is not Catherine Parr, that's actually Jane um, Grey. Uh, what happened is some scholar got the notion that he saw a, uh, some kind of pan or whatever she was wearing that belonged to Catherine Parr, but Catherine Parr and Lady Jane were very, very close. In fact, she was the chief mourner at Catherine Parr's funeral. So it was a gift from Catherine that she was wearing before she passed. She gave that gift to her. So people think, anyway, I'm letting you know it really is Lady Jane. Anyway, so I looked at this picture of Lady Jane, and all of a sudden, remember now, I was a Mormon, and, and even the idea of reincarnation never had crossed my mind. And I said, that's me. And I heard myself say, and I'm like, what did I just say? So I remember I had a, a formal regression, and I went back and remembered my, my lifetime as Lady Jane, right, the nine days queen. And apparently during the time, uh, Henry VIII uh, had a, a survivor, a male heir, and apparently uh, he had beheaded uh, late, uh, Anne Boleyn, which was the mother of you know, Elizabeth I, and then had divorced his first wife, Catherine of Aragon, which was the mother of Princess Mary, Bloody Mary. Anyway, so uh, at the time there was Protestantism, you know, Henry VIII had, you know, chained, he wanted, he, he didn't, well, he wanted excuse to, like, divorce and marry another woman so he decided to declare himself you know head of the church so he broke away from the pope and everything and the catholicism so there was a huge rush of protestantism and martin luther king and all this stuff was you know happening and so jane was the right political so jane was actually so henry the eighth had a sister mary who was called the french queen mm -hmm. and she gave birth to uh francis brandon which was the mother of you know lady jane so anyway, so she was a princess, a great niece of Henry VIII, and the oldest of three of these three daughters. So anyway, I mean, here I have no like context for anything. So I just read a little tiny thing in this book, and when I had my regression in 1991, I really didn't have all the information, didn't really understand. I, all the stuff I've learned is stuff I've researched after the fact to try to to Remember. find yeah to find uh, evidence to support this stuff because. The good thing about being a person of history is you can do research. Yeah. But even then, I had to research a lot to get some of the details. So long story short, I found out that all the things that I remember in the regression, even even the weird detail that I just now found out years later. See, here is 19, that was 1991. Here we are in 2017. I found out last year why I saw the marriage of, of Lady Jane and Guilford Dudley, which was her husband. Uh, being married on the side of the altar, I could never figure out why I was standing at the side of the altar instead of in front of him. It was a three-way wedding, and the Duke of Suffolk, of, of, um, uh, not Suffolk, that was my, my dad, my father in that lifetime, it was a, it was a Lord Protector, uh, this Lord Dudley, who was the Nor Northumberland, Duke of Northumberland. Anyway, he had manipulated, he was trying to get to power 
through his son by marrying Jane, you know, his son to, to Jane, and then other people mm. that he was trying to, so he, he used these three young women as pawns. So one of them was a friend, the other one I think was a cousin or, or a sister or whatever. They all got married. So you came to Yeah, yeah it was like a friend and a cousin. They all got married at the same time. And she was four, and I started crying in the regression. And she said, why are you crying? I says, because I don't know this man, and I don't love him, and I'm being forced to marry him against my will. And so it's like the crying didn't stop to all the way to the beheading scene, you know. But it was really interesting, like when I, after the, the, the wedding, I was in an open carriage, and we were kind of going down this little lane, and she says, where are you going? I said, well, I'm going to Mary's house for the wedding reception, but it's not Princess Mary. Well, as I did the research, she had had a reception at Mary Sitto, which is the sister of, of her husband, you know. Wow. So the little That's details that came out, detail. the, the, the name yeah. of the nurse came out and everything. So it's like this, you know, and so finally, I think I had the courage to come out and, and share this. But what I want people to know is it's not important who I was in a past life. Mm -hmm. What I brought forward was this issue of trust and betrayal. So in this lifetime, I had to work through those issues. And a lot of the people who are main characters have incarnated in this lifetime. And I've had a chance to, to make peace with all of mm -hmm. them and, and to forgive and go on. So I feel like this is just a, a turn. This is just a catalyst. But I've had a lot of spontaneous memories. And there may be a couple or three funnel regressions, but the rest of it's just intuition, you know? Yeah. The vignettes, as you yeah. know. And more and more of us are, are just remembering now, right? Like, uh -huh. I find that if I go into, I mean, I find people that can channel or they're right. clairvoyant, you, you'll be able right. to see what's going on. Uh -huh. I find that if an emotion is triggered, exactly. I go in and I go, right, where, where's this coming where's from? Where's this coming from? Oh, right. This is this and then, present life yeah. or just past life? And then life? it brings up and I can see the memory comes up just instantly. But more and more it's of us amazing. are having this now where you don't even need the regression. You can just no. go in and unlock it. You can be in a place you've never been before and have this sense of deja vu. Like, I've been here before. So tell and us, because you were in the Tower of London the other day, right? So what well, happened? Well, no, it was last year, actually. Oh, but, okay. Yeah, I'd gone to the Tower of London in 1990 before I had my regression. And I remember going, ooh. And I, it was so weird. I went, there's a church of Adventcula there where a lot of the, you know, people were beheaded. Because she was a princess, she was actually beheaded in the tower versus Tower Hill or Tower Green where her husband, he was commoner, so he was brought on. Anyway, so they buried her body there. And she didn't even have a headstone like the others there. So I remember, and his, my first husband was like very, like, you know, scientific, very left brain kind of person. And we walked into the middle of a tour that was already going on, and one of the beef eaters was talking about, and I'm standing and looking at these effigies, and I'm walking and looking. And I looked, I said, I wonder where her body's buried. And I went, oh. I looked over there, and I said, right there. I said, it's right to the right, my, you know, to mm -hmm. the left of this beef eater. It's right there, the tour guide. And I said, I said to, to James, I said, I, that's where, I, said, I know exactly where I'm buried. It's right where that guy's standing, just to, to the left of him or the right on our side. Sure enough, I said, excuse me, sir, can you tell me where Lady Jane is buried? Oh, yes, miss, right here. And right. he put her right to the spot. And I remember I did a radio interview with, um, with Barry Eaton, with radio out there, and he says, you always know where the body is, and I knew where my body was. So that was one little tweak. But anyway, I went back after all these years, and I went and I went back to the, you know, went and to see how it would feel. And I, I was looking around for the place where it, it, she was beheaded, it changed. It, they changed it completely since 1990. Mm -hmm. And I, I couldn't find it. And so finally, I went to a big theater. I asked him, where is, you know, and he pointed. It's like, oh, my God. And I was like, it's somewhere in this area. And I was feeling like this warm, warm. And I stood there, and I got so sick to my stomach. I was, I felt like I was going to puke right there, right on that thing. And, you know, it's not just Jane that was beheaded there. I mean, there were a lot of, like, I think Anne Boleyn was beheaded mm -hmm. there. There was a lot of, mm -hmm. uh, Catherine Howard probably, I don't know. Like, several queens were beheaded there and other people. And so I think the energy, I just wanted to get a big smudge stick and go, you know. But I was sick to the point where I almost, we had to, I was meeting some friends from Texas there. And it took me an hour to get over the nausea. I actually had to like talk myself. And they said, just keep breathing. I said, I'm breathing, it's not helping. So I felt like I needed to come into full circle. Something. Yeah, so result. blue flash. Right. So that's Archangel Michael. <laughs> Thank you. So I go again, I, I won't be sick good. <laughs> but yeah, it was important for me to come back because now I've got all the knowledge and I've got, I've done the work on myself and I just needed to go 
okay, I can let this go now. That was then, this is now. That's the most important thing. Because I still, when I channel, I, I have this thing about things around my neck. I like wearing chokers. I still cannot wear a choker very easily around my neck. Huh? I can help you. Clear oh, that. thank you. Okay. <laughs> thank you, Alfred. <laughs> <Right enough. laughs> yes. The other thing about past lives I'm really personally interested mm -hmm. in, it has come up before uh -huh. in some of my, my video interviews yes, okay. that I do, is, is uh, you obviously are, but are you aware of any of your galactic past lives or non earthly past lives? Well, I know I'm Pleiadian. And uh, I, I went to hear a, uh, a talk by Barbara Marcini, in mm -hmm. fact long time ago back in Austin, Texas, I guess in the mid-90s, and I remember she channeled the Pleiadians and I just started bawling. Like, why did you guys leave me on this godforsaken planet? <laughs> why can't the mothership just beat me up right now and take me home, you know? It's, a, it's one of those feelings, but um, yeah, I, I can't honestly say that I have any memories mm -hmm. of the Pleiades. I think I'm blocking it, because actually if I, if I remembered it, I'd probably go, <laughs> you know? So I was like, okay. But I've been here a long time. So I know that I came around the time of Atlantis, maybe even a little earlier. But I remember coming from off-planet, and I arrived in a spaceship, and I remember during that time, you know, it was quite, you know, we had a lot of intergalactic, you know, star travel people coming to visit the planet. And, um... So I feel like I've been here a long, long time. Some of us light workers have been a long, a star seed have been here a long time. Some of uh, the star seed coming on the planet now are very new, and they don't have any karma. They're mm -hmm. just here to, in service. So I try to help some of those. You know, like you're, you feel like you have the, you know, you have the battle scars. You have, you've earned your stripes, and you're like the jungle guide now. Like, yes, me Tarzan, me take you in jungle teach you how to swing from vine, you know, it's like, I feel like I'm taking these <laughs> young indigos and crystal children going, come on, this way, you know, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so I, I feel like some of my work here, it, I do have a very star, when I look at the belt of Orion, I'm like, it's a stargate, mm -hmm. it's a stargate into this solar yeah. system, that's where you come through. That's, and Isis is very serious, very, yeah, she's right in the, I just right. read that last yeah. night. Amazing, yes. The the star just to the left, I think, of the Belt yeah. of Orion is Sirius or Sophket Sof or something. It was it's called something in Egypt, but it was a star associated yeah. with Isis. Yeah. Hello, it all. We're bringing a white ring. It's all coming together. But I, I notice when I look up at Orion, I'm thinking about that. But as a channel, I have a lot of clients who are also starseed. So, I mean, I've met people from Sirius, Andromeda, Antares, Arcturus. I have one client in Croatia from Alpha Centauri. I'm like, okay, that's a little bit too easy, right? The closest yeah. star, you know, to yeah. us. But he, he, and then when I, ch you know how it is. When you channel yeah. this stuff, you forget it. It's like, it yeah. goes in and it comes out and you don't even remember what you said. Mm -hmm. And then people will come back later and say, what, what was the name again? <laughs> and you're like, what? I had a Someone asked me this morning, oh, what was what yes. was going on with that person? I know. Can't remember. It's it's in it's the moment. It's in the moment. Where yeah. It's not coming from us, so we yeah. don't hold on to it. Yeah. it. Unless it's something that interests me, and then I'll attend to it and I'll remember it. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, and it's also multifaceted now, isn't it? Yeah. I've had times when, when in a past life, I've come up in a client session, uh -huh. you know, that we've had a lifetime together. We're getting, it's like your yes. web is getting... Um, Closer, we're all being reconnected with right. each other as part right. of this it's, beautiful it, web it of life. Yeah. It's gorgeous. Yeah. So, if people, Sharon, people want to have sessions with you or uh -huh. readings, with you do one on one still. Yes, don't I you? do. Uh -huh. I do a lot of Skype readings too. Oh, mm -hmm. that's exactly yeah. what I wanted yes. to know. Excellent. Yes. So, how can they find out more information about you? Okay, well, my very unupdated website is SharonPrince.net, not .com, .net. And uh, it will have my contact information. But yeah, uh, just they can contact me at my website and my Facebook. I have a I have a Facebook called the the Rose uh, called Rose of Sharon Enterprises, and they can also Rose join my Facebook group. And then I usually make announcements about my events and everything there. And in terms of your work with past lives, do you do do you put people in regression, or do you are you like me? Do you get to see the past lives? Like it is so life. weird you yeah. mentioned that. Yes, <laughs> I am a past life uh, regression therapist. Um, I use I, I was certified as a hypnotist, and what I did is I paired it with something a heal, a radical forgiveness technique, and I kind of employ my version of it. So when I bring people down to the past life, then we go back up to the light. 
and then we do forgiveness work. So I make you know notes of anything that needs to be forgiven mm -hmm. or any people that they knew. I always ask. I kind of got this from Brian Wise. I'll say, look at the person in the eyes. Do you know that person in this lifetime? Yes or no? And I go, one, two, three. And I'll snap my fingers and they go, yeah, that's my, it's weird to them that their boyfriend might have been their sister in the past yeah. life, you know. But anyway, so what I do is I do the forgiveness work before we come out of the light. Yeah, and then we bring, and then I bring them back. But uh, yes, uh, as I'm in there with them, I can, as a psychic, I can see what's going on, but I have to have a firewall there because I don't want it to influence the regression in any way, but when they're having it, I'm like seeing, sometimes I was seeing it technicolor. Other times it's like, like pulling teeth, you know, like, oh my goodness, and especially if it's a very painful memory. Yeah. You know, I had oh, one yeah. lady who had recently, who had uh, remembered a lifetime that she had uh, become pregnant by her lover, and then he was like, a, I, I guess, from a wealthy family, and the father came and made his son leave, and she was desperate, and she ended up smothering her child, her baby, and I was back, you know, back, I guess, in the dark ages, but it was really hard for her to take a look at that and see that, but she was so brave, I was so proud of her, so finally, would she just put light around that, but how do you, how do you see something like that, you know, and, and come to terms with that, knowing that that was an aspect of yourself, so she had to find compassion and put light around that, and do the processing afterwards. But yeah, it's like you're wearing one hat and then you switch over. You know how it is, Alice, and you're just like, yeah. bum, 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 yeah. you know? And some of the stuff that you see, it's like, oh, do I have to be seeing It's really, you know, it can person. be really painful. Really tough, yeah. But some of the work that I do, like I in the Balkans, when I go there, there's a lot of, still a lot of healing that needs to take place from the war. And so what we call the Bosnian War was actually a war that Serbia had with Bosnia, which took the brunt obviously the worst of it, but they also uh, went to war uh, against um, Croatia. So the work I do on the very eastern part of Croatia, I do work in Bukovar, which is an hour away from uh, Belgrade. And uh, that whole Slavonian plain was completely decimated. Mm -hmm. And then they had a couple, 10 days maybe, maybe 10 days to two weeks war with Slovenia. And wouldn't you know, one of my clients' husband was one of the few people that got killed during that war. So it's amazing how I'm doing this work. But anyway, I do work with people with post-traumatic stress disorder. So sometimes the healing comes out in the reading. Sometimes I do a regression to help them to release it. But I remember the first time I went there, I took a lot of these organized with me to bring a positive energy. So um, when I do work, sometimes I have to hold light in a really uh, dark place. And uh, I, I, I try to assist the light workers that are trying to help hold a light in that place as well. But as part of my work is just bringing Mary Magdalene to the very, very masculine-dominated energy of the Balkans. And um, I always know that I'm protected when I do this work. So, mm -hmm. you know, as Dave says, Mary uh, will pull a can of whoop ass, you know. <laughs> she will. She's tough, right? Sometimes divine feminine is yeah, tough. Like, love. Wow, yeah, you know. Don't mess with the goddess. Well. <laughs> and just for our viewers, are, are there any parting words you'd like to leave for any of the the wonderful people watching today? Any empaths out there that might need your words oh, of wisdom? Oh, okay. Well, great. Thank you. Well, uh, I'm an empath as well. I'm an intuitive and an empath. And just know that a lot of stuff going on right now, you're going to feel that in your emotional body. And we just have to learn how to clear. I just say when you're an empath, you're going to pick up energy. It's not like you're trying to block people's energy because that's your gift. You just have to clear every day. You have to clear your energy every day. So you can smudge uh, white sage or even incense or you know even ringing bells, crystal bowl. Uh, I teach people how to do a waterfall or a shower where you're standing underneath and you can stand in the shower if you want to, if you're taking a shower. And imagine the intention of taking the psychic dirt and washing it off. It's all about intention. You can scrape it off. There's different techniques. You can ground yourself. You can shield yourself with energy and stuff. Just know that there's nothing wrong with you. You're sensitive for a reason. If you learn how to control that energy, then you can use the gift, the, the light side of that. But in the absence of understanding that you're an empath, you're going to absorb everyone's stuff. You're going to have energy vampires sucking off of you, you know. You're going to have people who invade your boundary, or who are projecting their stuff onto you because you're basically reflecting back to them their own issues. It's tough being an empath. I, mean, I, I have to admit, uh, it is a tough road to hoe. But if you're an empath, just know that what's going on in the world right now, you're going to feel that on a very deep level. 
So just ask your angels and guys to be with you, surround and protect you. You need some downtime, people, honestly. So mm-hmm. don't, if you're tired, just tell your team, I'm not going to go out of body tonight to visit whatever. I'm just off. Mm-hmm. Just like a cab, turn your light off. You're not, no, not in service. Put your cloak on. Yeah. <laughs> your cloak of invisibility. <laughs> Sharon Prince, thank you so oh, much for speaking to you. me today. Appreciate it's the opportunity. Absolute pleasure and thank an you. honor. So, if you'd like to know more about Sharon and her wonderful work, or you'd like to be initiated into the Order of the White Rose, then it's SharonPrince.net. Thank you so much, thank my you. love. Thank you. God bless. God bless you.